Hey guys, welcome back. Another episode of the Slinging Stones podcast brought to you by the Thrive Evangelistic Ministry. I'm Andy Branham, and right across the room from me is Luke Troll. Luke, how are you doing today? Man, I'm a little bit sweaty because I had to go back out into our 9,000% humidity because, I, yet again, my my tradition for the podcast is to forget my reading glasses, so I always have to go back. But other than that, man, I'm great. Well, we're on Sunday rotation again. Do you want to, do you want me to explain it or do you want to explain it? I mean, I'm just it is it is what it is. So at Luke, this point. Luke canceled on us Thursday. I, I did. I, I backed out. I crawfished out, and and it's all it's all on me. The pie is in my face that we're not on Thursday night. So that um, it's kind of where we sit right now. Luke canceled, so Thursday's kind of. Got messed up. You said up. that twice. You you a little salty about oh, it. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna remain with this right here. <laughs> so, uh, but guys, we hope you have had a great week. We hope for a blessed week to come. Uh, but here we are. We are hitting a milestone today. We are gonna finish chapter one and start intro in chapter two. Should have brought streamer poppers. We and should whistles have whistles and horns. Um, we, we you can almost hear the celebration from the people that are listening, and they haven't. Even, it hadn't even been uploaded. It hadn't even been streamed out yet. So, well, what I hear is anticipation. Out anticipation. Know, and, uh, it's either that or thunder. I'm not sure which. That's it thunder. Is. That's thunder. It's storming outside. Thanks for busting my bubble there, <laughs> so, Debbie Downer. Um, so, guys, you know, just just quick reminders and everything. Um, you know, at Thrive, we we are a evangelistic ministry that is garnered and geared towards men's ministry. And what we want to do is we want to not only come speak and, and, and spread the gospel to the men of your church or of, you know, the men that you have in house uh, that night or for a men's event, we want to sit down with your men's pastor, your men's minister, and just kind of discuss maybe roundtable ideas, maybe hopefully customize, you know, what you've got going on here, what you've got going on, going on. And then we want to be able to promote you. We want to be able to, you know, put you out into the public that if some guy in your area, some man is looking for this men's ministry or a men's ministry, he might, man, that's right down the road. I'm going to go to that. And we put another soul into the building where the body of Christ meets and, Hopefully, possibly, if they're not saved, they become saved, and we're winning souls for the kingdom. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's about changing lives. It's about, you know, uh, not us changing lives, but allowing the Word to transform people's lives and hearts from within, because we know that we don't have the power within us to change a hair on our heads. It all comes from Christ. And without that power of Christ, the power of the blood, like Pastor Derek was talking about this morning, our ministry would be busy work and yeah. busy work is just that it's something to occupy your mind and we are focused solely on kingdom work prospering the gospel helping your men's ministry grow and me personally i'm just i'm down to preach anytime if you need somebody to preach give me a holler i'm not going to bring you a david jeremiah-esque situation <laughs> or sermon but i'm going to bring you what the lord gave me well we're just um we we, we love every week when we get a chance to get together and talk about, you know, God's Word and just, you know, chit-chat and see exactly where we stand, our ideas, our thoughts. And, you know, most of the time when we leave out of here, we're we're relatively blessed. We're, we're, we've had a good time. So, but to kind of um, 
finish out our intro right here. Um, if you would like to reach out and kind of hear more about us or the possibility of booking us, you can go and email ministry at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook on and direct message and a messenger, or just a comment on the th- on the post, and we'll reach out to you and we'll ha- go into discussions and see what we can do for you. Man, you said reach out like <clears throat> fifteen times. It made me think of the old AT and T commercial. Here you go. Reach, reach out, out and reach touch out, someone. reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out, and touch someone and touch someone. All right, so guys, I'm gonna pray for us so we can get into tonight's lesson, and then we will uh, we'll start uh, hammering out the end of chapter one ver- and the first of uh, going up into, into chapter two. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessings, the opportunities you give us to glorify your kingdom. Uh, may we be mindful and aware and see the people and the cir- circumstances and the situations you put us in. That where we can glorify, we can evangelize, we can minister to those around us. God, um, give us the strength to be bold and be the example of you throughout this world. Uh, Give us uh, safety and peace as we go throughout our week, into our jobs, into our everyday life, uh, running around. Uh, Keep our family safe, keep us safe. And God, I I pray for tonight that if someone's listening that does not know you, that they they, uh, come to know you, that we kind of strike curiosity with what we're saying and they come to know you and garner a relationship with you. But God, I just pray for just an ultimate awesome time tonight and a blessing for those who are listening as well as Luke and I. Um, And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So verse 32, uh, Luke says we finished last week. I don't believe him. Um, I didn't. (laughs) He's uh, trying hard to like you right now. He's trying real hard just to not send me uh, hate mail. But so verse 32 of chapter one says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And we won't spend too terribly long on this, but, you know, there are two reasons why men will be judged and condemned to death. Uh, Men will be judged because they sin and take pleasure in others who sin by doing the same things. Men have appetites, desires, and lust, and they spend their lives seeking to fulfill them. The great tragedy is they not only take pleasure in their own sins, but they also take pleasures in sins of others, and they approve and talk about their selfishness and the exploits of that of theirs and their friends. They focus on they focus their lives upon extravagant living, position, um, style, fame. Uh, wealth, power, material possessions, and unfortunately, sexual affairs. Um, and guys, that's not the air conditioner. I think that's rain. That is rain. It, that, it is raining buckets right It is now. raining because I, I, I got the headphones on, so I'm like, what is that? But, it is raining buckets. So <clears throat> as a result of selfishness, the sins listed in the Scripture um, tear at the world and destroy human life. Therefore, the judgment of God is assured. Um, those who commit such things and take pleasure in the sins of others, and, w- and they will be separated from God eternally. In Malachi 2.17, um, it, it says, You have been wearied by the Lord, you have been wearied by the Lord with your words, but you say, Have we wearied him? By saying, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and delights in them. 
or by asking, where is the God of justice? The second thing in these two things is men will be judged because they are without excuse. They know through an inner sense that the judgment of God is coming upon the world. Men sense that some higher power is going to straighten out the mess in the world, that the injustices and inequities will be brought to judgment, condemned or punished. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And then you look at Ezekiel 18, 4, and it says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul and who sins shall die. What you also have to understand here in this, in this little, little verse here is that there's one word that appears twice, and that's practice. Uh, that's a, again, we talk about you know adjectives and verbs. This is a verb. This is something that's being willfully done. It's not like the people that Paul is talking to are ignorant of the gospel. They're not ignorant of the word. They are in willful, wantful rebellion. They are saying, I know who God is. I know who this Jesus guy is. And I know exactly what Jesus did, but I'm still, I'm good with it. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to worship false idols. I'm going to put everything I can ahead of God and not even give him a glance. That is what is bringing all of this wrath that Paul is talking about down. The willful, negligent, ignoring that God is who he is, that he is the Alpha, and He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is all of these things. They know it, and they still ignore it. Yeah. You know, um, one of the uh, commentaries that I read is um, this: the Romans commentary that I have is by Kent Hughes. And he had a great saying, and it says, Man reaches the height of depravity when he heartily applauds those who give themselves into sin. That's that's a lot. I mean, there you you think you think that you don't look at what you approve of. Look at what you and your friends talk about. Look at what an everyday conversation. You know, when you talk about the sins that you're a part of and you celebrate it and you celebrate with each other, there's a problem there. There's a massive problem there. And too many times it's happening. And you may say that you're not celebrating these sins, but if you're not repentant of them yep. and you're not shame, ashamed of them and, and shameful that, that they've happened, man, you may as well be high-fiving and chest-bumping. Yep. yep. I mean, exactly and, and right. it's, it, it's, it's one of those things that it's a good thing that the Apostle Paul isn't sitting in most of our churches today, including the one that we sit in. Because Paul says right here, such things are deserving of death. Mm -hmm. Deserving of, you deserve to die. You deserve to die for the crap that you're doing. That's what Paul's telling us. Um, it's just as valid today as it was then. But the good thing about it is, is we don't have to live that way. We don't have to allow ourselves to be sucked down the black hole of just continual, perpetual, sinful behavior. Yeah. You can move beyond it. You can grow with God way past it. And then the, the beauty of it all is you can take that, that those things that you've done, those things that you may be doing right now, you can take those and use them, believe it or not, for the glory of God. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So 
as we move out of chapter one and we move into chapter two. Dun, dun, dun. I, I was going to put sound effects in it, but now since you're doing them, so. That's right. Um, I got to have a job. Got to have a job. Um, so to, to kind of introduce, we're not going to really dive into any of the scripture of chapter two, but we're just going to kind of introduce. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of what's upcoming with it. Um, but kind of an outline um, of chapter two is you have like five points from verse one to 16. And we're going to, that's kind of where we're going to stop. We're not going to go lump a massive amount into it. But, you know, one of the things you're outlining in verse one, you have the moralist. Um, verse two through five, you have the judgment of God is based on truth, perfect justice um, is dealing with the moralist. And then, you know, your number three is verse 6 through 10. The judgment of God is according to deeds, eternal rewards, or punishment. Um, ver the fourth thing is, um, and that's 11 through 15, the verses there, the judgment of God does not show favoritism. It's absolute impartiality. And then the fifth thing is verse 16. The judgment of God is, is to be executed by Jesus and his gospel, not by us. Um, and I love this because I read this and I wrote it down, and I'm, I'm giving due where credit's due, but Kent Hughes, this commentary is awesome. And I want to read, I, I wrote it down, but I want to read what kind of is stated about chapter 2, and then we'll, you know, we'll discuss. But it says, Mankind does not accept God's assessment of, of human sin and the imperative, and uh, uh, the imperative of divine judgment. That is not to say that man will not admit they are sinners. It is very easy to get a non-Christian to agree that he is a sinner because nobody's perfect. But it is almost impossible to get him to realize the gravity of his sin, of his sin. Typically, he has no trouble agreeing that those who are guilty of big sins, like murder and rape and treason, deserve judgment, even death. However, that God, however, that God's wrath should fall on those guilty of such lesser sins as envy or arrogance does not seem quite right to them. Most people do not take God's word about sin and judgment seriously, but rather reject it and replace it with their own reasoning. Most common illustration is kids or school kids when they say everybody else is doing it. Inherent in the common thinking that is inherent in common thinking. That is because someone, everyone, is doing it. It is not so bad. As long as we do not commit the, the, big, the biggies, the big sins, we will be okay. It is the assumption that God does not mean what he says or says what he means. This problem is twofold. First, man does not understand God's holiness. And second, he does not understand his own selfishness. As to God's holiness, sinful man's idolatrous mind fails to see God as the transcendent, holy other, perfect God who is infinitely above him, but rather imagines him that he is like himself. And as to sin, man forgets that he is made in the image of God and that every sin communicates a distortion of the image of God to the rest of creation. It is through such ignorance that the world suggests that if God does, ju does judge as he says, he insults his own t integrity, holiness, and justice. The internal fact is God means what he says and says what he means. Moreover, his judgment, despite moralisms to the contrary, contrary is perfect. Man, I mean, you couldn't. That, that's about the best way you can put it. When I read it, I was like, ooh, that just, that, that hurt. 
and put chill bumps in you and punched you across the face. I mean, it's just. What it makes me think about is when people try to categorize their sin. Mm. Well, the first thing they're trying to do normally is seek justification for what they've done when normally there's not any justification. And second, what you're doing when you classify your own sin as big or small, you are opening your mouth and expressing your ignorance of the gospel and God's decrees. Yeah. You're opening your mouth and just expressing it. You see, know? I, love, I love it when people are like, oh, well, that didn't, you know, no, they act like God couldn't see it because it was either minute or minuscule or that they did it behind closed doors and God can't see behind those closed doors. You know, it's like what Pastor Derek preached about last week. You know, we, when we start this, 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 this uh, process or these habits of sinful behavior, we start hiding from God. You know, at first we're hiding in caves and then we're hiding in uh, briar patches and then we're, then we're hiding in the rocks. And the next thing you know, we're down in a hole and in the pit and in the mud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, when you're stuck in the mud, we've talked about that before. When you're stuck in the mud, you got to have somebody to get you out. Yep. And that's where it is, it is important that we hold one another accountable. You don't let things slide. Um, you know, here just a few weeks ago, you called me out, and, and I needed it. I needed that gut check. I, it, it stung, but I appreciated it because I know you did it out of love. And that, you know, when, when you see somebody slipping, when you see your brother slipping, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. And if it's just, if it's just terrible, bad, call him out right there. Say, Hey, look, man, stop that. You know, you, you, this isn't you. And if it, and if it is something that is, you know, it, it's not just world altering, call him later, call him, say, Hey, look, I saw what happened. And, you know, you know, this ain't right. You got to get this right. You're better than that. God says you're better than that. Well, Not that you say that I'm better than that, but God says you're better than that. What, what we need to understand and what most people is, you know, weird, you know, as, as saved as believers and as followers of Christ, we're, as Derek said this morning, we're covered with the blood. You know, there is a lot of grace and a lot of mercy that God shows us each day. We, we screw up more than once a day. But, you know, we have an opportunity to repent of what we're doing. You know, the problem is, is we use repentance and we use it to the effect of, I can just, you know. It's keep, a crutch. I can, I can keep doing the exact it's same thing over and over again. It, you know, it's we, putting a Band-Aid on a sinking ship. We need to get better. We need to become better. You know, if you're using as a crutch, you are exactly what 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 states when you are a boxer beating the air aimlessly. That's right. You are absolutely, you are, you are, you're training for nothing. You're doing nothing. It's like you're running a race. Well, let's just let's put it in terms that we can all understand since we're in Alabama. Let's put it in football. Alabama fans, how would you like if – who's the quarterback? It, Bryce Young? Is I that, refuse to speak the name of that evil. So, so how would you like it if Bryce Young threw a, a, a jet sweep to – who's another guy? Who else? Is, I don't know any other players. Me neither. I mean – so, so does a jet sweep to the star running back – and he runs the corner, and he's got a straight-up 50-yard wide, 50 yards, nothing in front of him, and he just stops, lays down. He gets a two-yard gain. You're going to forgive him that once. Well, maybe he just got tired. Maybe he felt his hamstring going to blow out. He does that three or four times. 
promise you this, Saban's not, <laughs> Saban's not going to forgive him. No. And you're not going to forgive him. But just think of it this way. Just think of it this way. So we continue to screw up, but we're forgiven as long as we ask for it. But why? 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 I mean, there is a lot of patience in a God that has to deal with us every day. Well, there's two things that, that, I, that come to my mind here about this perpetual sinning thing. One is we just got done here in last week talking about God will give men over to their reprobate minds. That's a part of his wrath and judgment. He'll just let you at it. If you want to continue doing it, he's just going to let you at it. The forgiveness is null and void when you continue to go back for the same things over and over, and he's just going to let you have at it and let you fall down in it. The Word tells us that. And then, two, you know, Paul says that uh, should we continue sinning so that grace may abound? And then he says, by no means. Um, so, you know, if, if not, I don't think that any of us here, and when I say here, I mean in the church, within the church body, we don't, we don't mess up like that. And we don't, and it's not that we don't know it. We have the Holy Spirit in us that convicts us of it. Usually it's an immediate conviction. And I know the closer that I draw to God, the more that conviction comes and I used to shy away from it, but now I appreciate it. But the flip side of that coin is the lost. This book was written as a guide for the saved, but a light for the lost. And how do lost people act? They act lost. They don't know that they're doing these things. But also, as a lost person, and you see a saved person act, acting a non-biblical way. You see them using that crutch and continuing to screw up. How do you think a lost person is going to react to that or see that? What's their vision going to be like towards that's faith? That's what Christianity is? That's what a that's what a relationship with Jesus Christ is? It makes this Bible go from the light of the world to just another book. Yep. So what 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 do we do? What do we do differently as Christians when we get the opportunity to you look at what we learned about in chapter one, all the ungodliness, unrighteousness, the unsaved men, you know, that Paul's talking about. And you look at what we're about to go into chapter two. What what do we what can we do differently as Christian men? How can we live to make sure that those around us that are being like this can see the light in our life? and not be blinded by what they think is pleasure off these items. Well, that that, that's, a, that's a big onion to peel back. I mean, that, that's well, definitely— we've got, about, we've got about 30 minutes. That's now. multi-layered. Um, I think the first thing that you have to do is hold yourself to a higher standard. Hold yourself to the standard that the Bible holds you to, mm. not the world. The world doesn't matter. The world's going to be the world. Um, but hold yourself to the standard— that is written for you in the Bible as a man of God, as a child of God. Um, you have to think in terms of how would a king's son act in public? Don't think of it in terms of an old English king. Think of it as, you know, and, and I hate to say this, but when you see the British, the, the British monarchy on TV, they're walking the line because they're in the public eye. Yep. Now, we all know that they are who they are, and they're still human beings, but in the public eye, the Queen of England 
her sons, her grandsons are told and trained to present themselves in a specific manner. We are, by definition, if you are a believer, you are of a princely order. You're of a priestly order. You're held to a higher standard. Stop dumbing down the gospel. Yep. Stop, stop dirtying up the gospel. Because what you're what you're doing is you're making it look like you know Jesus saved you and He pulls you out of the pits of hell, and then you continue on your self destructive and your inner implosive path. He's giving pearls to pigs. Well, I listen. I hear you. Hear people like you look what happened. Recently with the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, and Liberty University, you look at like Jerry Falwell Jr., what happened up there with with infidelity and stuff like that. And then you look at the Southern Baptist Convention, you look at infidelity, you look at people who who almost committed, you know, adultery, all these different things. And you hear people go, that's why I'm not a Christian, because people act like that. Yeah, but that's not why you're supposed to be a Christian is to looking at those people. You're supposed to be a Christian for you to be the best you can be for God. But unfortunately, looking at it through a lost person's eyes or someone that's on the fence's eyes, that is a valid point. I mean, it is. I mean, you're you know, exactly why? Right. You have, if, if I were a lost person sitting back and looking at stuff like that, looking at the stuff that you just see on the mainstream media where the church is being blasted day after day where you've got you know children being molested by church leadership or you find out that the head pastor or the treasurer has embezzled x amount of dollars from the church or sixty thousand dollars in cash mysteriously pops up in the wall of your bathroom office of your office <laughs> bathroom i mean i'm not going to call any names but we all know who i'm talking about here Holstein. those are black eyes on the church yeah now if you're out in the world and you're just considering you're well, dabbling in christianity and you're having a great old time out in the world and you see that and then you see these the christians we hold ourselves to a higher standard we're not out in the bars we're not partying we're not womanizing where's the incentive to give all that yeah, up as a, if you and and here's another thing that i think is kind of a bad a bad vision or a bad look at why in the world as a pastor, do you need to be in a 16,000 square foot mansion? I don't know. You, I don't see how you can do that. And then tell me that you have a heart for the homeless. I mean, you look at some of the, I mean, yeah, some of these pastors do make a lot of money. They do, but it, it does it really, do you really think I, I get it? I'm a capitalism fan, but that, that, there's something wrong there. You know, if, if a pastor's sitting in, you know, 16,000 square feet, that's, that's multi-millions. And if you can afford multi-millions, you got some money. If you can afford to be robbed in your church of a million dollars worth of jewelry, a million dollars worth of jewelry was what was robbed from this preacher last, was last week, week before yeah. last. Yeah. A million bucks. That means he was wearing it. Yeah. You tell me why oh, yeah. a pastor I saw, needs. I saw a, that article. <laughs> a million dollars worth of jewelry. There is. There's something broken there. I, there's. I, I saw you that. Could, you. If Jesus were here today, you you would not be able to convince me that he would be decked out like that. Yeah. And just and, and blinging it up with a you know 
with with a million dollars worth of jewelry and twenty five thousand dollars in cash on him at all times, driving a one point five million dollar Bugatti. You you'll never convince me. Even if he could do that, he would take that and sell it and help people. He and I, and I'm not saying that you know just because you're successful, you know if God blesses you and and He's made you successful, that's great. I applaud that. Again, capitalism. That's wonderful. But what are you doing with that money? Yeah. You know, Paul's fixing to change his whole tone here, mm-hmm. starting in verse one of chapter two. He changes his entire tone. He goes from almost a worrisome tone in chapter one to an accusatory tone in chapter two. Yeah. He uses some words in chapter two that are pretty hard. Um, if you look at the way that it was written and the context that it's written in, this is pointing at people inside the church today. It's pointing fingers. It's, it's red flags. It's, it's, it's asking, okay, church, it's great that you've got $125,000 in the bank, but what are you doing with that money? What are you doing with it? It's, if it's just sitting there, Collecting interest, how's that growing? How's that growing the kingdom? You have to go back to the teachings of Christ and the, and the parable of the talents. Are you going to just take the take the gifts that God has given you and bury them in the ground, or are you going to put them to work? Are you going to put them to work to prosper the kingdom? And you know, when we're talking apples and apples here, some of that money, yes, needs to be. I would say, you know, invest it. So it would grow in the future. But the other part of that investment is invested in people and not just people, but invested in lost people, invested in the future of your church, invested in the children in your church. Because, you know, if you're in a church that doesn't have kids playing and babies crying, you're a dead church. You need to figure out what you need to do to get some babies and kids in your church or your church is going to be folded up dead in the next 25 years. So you, you have to be careful with with dallying around with God and dumping out his wrath on you. You know, it's, it's one thing to have your mom or your dad or your wife mad at you, but it's a whole nother thing to have God mad at you and dumping out wrath on you. Yeah. Well, guys, we have introduced chapter two. Now goes into probably the six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 weeks of, diving verse by verse word by word <laughs> i mean apparently there's a lot to being a bond servant it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun when, but you know in the grand scheme of things somebody's bound to learn something i'm learning oh yeah he says that <laughs> I, I think that next week the next episode will do good to get through verse one. Oh, that's good maybe see? verse two see and you know i Man, uh, you're going to have to break out a new notebook. I do. I've got notebooks ready for it. I think, I mean, you should have stock in Office Depot or Staples. <laughs> so quick, quick fun fact. So I've got, so right now on one of the Sunday school classes, the one me and you are in, we're doing First Timothy. So every Sunday I'd have a yellow legal pad and you saw it this morning. How could you not? <laughs> and I write in it. I write notes. I write different thoughts. And I think today... We've been on verse two for two weeks. Dear diary. Dear diary. So I wrote down all the notes and all my thoughts and kind of hearing different people's perspectives. And I took the page and I ripped it out and I set it on my desk. So 
So now I've got a, I've got an Ephesians shelf from the Ephesians study that I did that I didn't complete. <laughs> Luke just rolled his eyes. Um, we'll come back to that one though. Um, I've got a Roman. Not sh- in my lifetime. Oh well, no, we'll catch. We're never getting through Romans. <laughs> so we're never getting through the Book of Romans. Um, but I got a Roman shelf, and now I've got a First Timothy shelf that's uh, that's booming pretty good right now. I'm surprised Jennifer's allowed you to have that much room in your office. Hey, no, it's you already said it's a card making stock room that you that you happen to lease space in. I have a corner that the dogs somehow find me in. And they whine at me the entire time. So, <laughs> but I do find uh, it, it has been nice. Uh, I've really worked on the past uh, few days to restructuring, getting in there, and actually focusing. And this this is where seriousness. Um, you know, over the past week has been it's been difficult. Luke hears every day the the tire, the strain, everyday life, and strain can get to you. Work becomes stressful. What we have a problem doing as men, women, whatever, in working everyday situations, we have a problem where we say, well, daggummit, man, I'm tired. I don't have time for this or I don't feel like doing it. You know, how do you think? Let's put this in. Let's let's try to put this in a, a smaller example. If you're a dad and you come home and you're excited and you say, hey, son, I'm a. I want to go outside and throw with you or go fishing with you. I'm too tired, Dad. I, I'm just, I've had a busy day. It's a stressful week. You know, homework's killing me. You know what? I, 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 don't, I don't have time for you. And then you come back to him on Sunday and you act like, hey, hey, Dad, let's go play. And then what's going to happen when he says, I'm tired? You know, that's how we do God. And God's never tired of us. If we come to him, he's going he's gonna to accept us. But when we have the opportunity to get into our fortress, you know, our reading room, our study, in our favorite chair, in the bed at night, and we turn on the reading lamp and we open God's Word and we read Scripture, whether if it's one verse or 35 verses, and you're able to kind of in your mind, in your mind expound upon it, meditate on it, pray on it, and just dive into it and say, God, show me what this means in my life. Show me where I can integrate this in my life. Teach me the ways right here. Let me have wisdom, knowledge, and discernment of your word right now on this right here. The moment we start doing that, the moment things in our day become clear, and it, it, it's amazing how it happens, we start seeing different things. We start seeing where God's pointing directions at us going, hey, this guy right here is wanting you. This guy's needing you to pray for him. I've placed him here for you. But the moment we let it go because we've had a stressful week, and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, this past week, there were several days, Luke, we, we spoke about it. I didn't get home till what, 6.30, 7 o'clock? And I get home, and it's, it's literally turning right around and going into bed. You know, and throughout the day, yes, there's prayers thrown in and all that. But, you know, we can pray and everything, but we're, that's, one, that's, that's one ingredient to the puzzle, to the pie, to the, to the recipe. We can pray, and praying's great. Praying is awesome. Praying is, 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 is unbelievable. Where is God's Word? Where is God's Word in our life? Well, 
it's funny that you you took it here because Wesley and I were on the way. We got an audience today, by the way. Our buddy Wesley. Wesley, you, you, you can awake? scream hello if you want to. Are you awake? <laughs> he says he's not awake, so at least I know he's so not all, dead. So all that, all that rumbling y'all heard, that was Wesley, Wesley snoring. snoring. That wasn't thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about it on the way here, you know, how, how you know, life gets in the way and, and, and things get in the way. But the Bible tells us that we are to burn these words on our lips and our tongue, that we're to, we're to, we're to hide them away in our hearts. Okay, so... It can be legitimate that you don't have time to physically sit down and read the Bible, whip it out and read it. But if you've got those verses stored away in your heart and stored away in your mind, Mm -hmm. you can meditate on them while you're doing whatever else it is you're doing. You can be meditating on, and I'm going to call it out. What does John 3.16 really mean? Is it just a child's verse? Let's dissect John 3.16 in my heart and see what God tells me about it today. Well, and that's what I think. That's what I think is really cool about, you know, people are like, man, you sure do wear you. I wear two bracelets now. I broke one accidentally. But I've got a verse on mine. I had a verse on the other one. And that just reminds you, you know, it's funny because I've got John 3.17, overcoming Yep. He overcame the world. Yep. So, and and then, you know, the other one, God is bigger, but it's those things. It, those are supposed to be, while they are fashion statements, they're reminders. 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 Yep. And other things that we have is, you know, and this is what I think we don't utilize. Luke, you, you utilize it probably more than anybody I've ever seen. You post the Bible app stuff all the time. The Bible app's good, but you say you don't have time at night. You say you don't have time at night. You get home and you're tired. You're beat down. The kids need their homework checked. Dinner needs to be cooked. Dishes need to be washed. Kids need to be bathed. Dogs are acting like crazy, acting wild. Wife or the husband's in a bad mood. However, you know, it, it, seems, it seems to be. I didn't say that. I just want you to know I didn't say let, that. Let, let, me, let, me, let me throw a bright idea and a wondrous thought on you what happens if you take your bible to work and you take it to lunch and you open it then you're going to miss your scrolling of your facebook you're going to miss insta what instagram's got to say guys if we have this bible out it's a ministry opportunity Maybe not you ministering to others. It's God ministering to you. Oh, absolutely. We need to be having our Bible out. You walk into a restaurant with a Bible, I guarantee you people are going to be like, oh, wow, what's what's he got there? And somebody's going to ask a question. And guess what that is? That is an open, open door. door. Open, open door. door to absolutely ministering and evangelizing right there. Oh, absolutely. And I get it. And, you know, and when I said that things happen, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to throw this out there and I'm going to use this term loosely because I hate it. God does understand that, you know, there there's going to be a day or two every now and then where things just ain't going to work out like you planned. You know, every, A, B, and C didn't get done because everything else came before it. But don't make that a part of your daily routine to substitute something else for your time for God. Exactly. You know, when you, when you start substituting, and I'm going to just pick on it, social media, for Bible time, when when you have the arrogance to say, "Oh, I didn't have time," but now there's this there's this feature on Facebook where you can go and see exactly how much time you spent on Facebook, and well, it tracks it. But look at the well, look at the way look at your actions. 
Look at your actions. You take two days off of God, look at how you act. Oh, yeah. You start having anger issues. You start becoming impatient. You start becoming unkind. You start being a little bit um, careless with your words. Well, your, your candle starts going out. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the darkness starts creeping all, in. All I'm saying is, is like I'm guilty of it too, but we all need to do better. And one way to do better is accountability. And another way to do better is being a part of a body of believers that encourages, loves, and supports everything that we're doing. If we make a mistake, we spoke about it this morning. If you make a mistake, have that body of believers is going to gather you up, your pieces all around, put you back together, put you back in a pew and say, God still loves you. Now repent of what mistake you made and let's go, let's go put your feet down and get after it. If you're not a part of a body of believers, or if you are a part of a body of believers, but you're not a but you're not a child of Christ yet, if you haven't been saved, here's the time. the The time's now. Let's not wait until next Sunday. Let's not wait until next Wednesday. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. You know, we just talked about John 3.16. You know, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will be saved and will have everlasting life. The world part there, again, something Wesley and I were just talking about, the world part there, for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. That's the lost. The world is the lost. God loved the lost people so much that he sent his only Son son to die so that you and I didn't have to that one verse is the gospel personified that one verse that is the gospel personified cling to that ask God to come into your life ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life don't worry about getting cleaned up before you come to church that's like saying I got a broke arm I'm going to put a cast on and get healed before I go to the emergency room no this is a hospital for the sick it's not a sanctuary for the saints this is where the saints come to recharge our batteries and if you don't if you don't know Christ your batteries are dead you're a dead man and you don't know it you're a dead woman and you don't know it so now is the time to come and meet Jesus, and he will meet you where you are, right where you are. No matter what state you're in, no matter what condition you feel that your life is in, Jesus will meet you right where you are. Jesus met a sinner on the cross. He met a sinner on the cross. He met someone on the cross. He met him. He's met people in prison. He's met people in churches. He's met people in Walmart or the grocery store in a gas station in a car in their living room. Jesus will meet you where you are. So with that, guys, I'm going to pray us out. I hope everybody has a great week. I hope that you guys get something out of this. Uh, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, our satire doesn't get on your nerves, but I really do. I hope that you enjoy uh, this podcast as much as Andy and I enjoy putting it on for you we enjoy talking to one another this isn't something that we just haphazardly throw together we literally talk about this about six days a week and uh my hope is is that you know you'll reach out to us let us know that let us know that you're listening let us know what you think give us some feedback if we need to change something give us an idea um because we we love to hear from you so i'm going to close us out in prayer and i hope you have a great week so let us pray
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the worship service that we had this morning. I thank you for the messages that we heard this morning all across and all of our different church bodies. Father, I pray that lives were changed. I pray that people were transformed. I pray that your your precious blood covered new believers, Father, and that they take this word, they take your word, and they cling to it, and they burn it in their hearts, and they hide it in their tongues, Father, and that everything that comes out of us is something of you, that the enemy is just completely thrown to the wayside. Father, I pray that if someone is hearing this, Father, that doesn't know you, I pray that right now is the time that you prick their heart, Father, just the smallest of pinpricks, Father, but it comes straight from your heart. Father, I pray for grace. I pray for mercy. Father, I pray for the mercy for today, Father, not the mercy that I need for tomorrow, Father God, but the mercy that I need for today because we know that your mercy for today is just enough, but your just enough is more than abundant. Father, and we just thank you for that. Father, I ask that you just keep us, you guide us, you direct us, Father, and, and above all, Father, just strengthen and sweeten our relationship with you. All these things we ask in your son's holy name. Amen. Guys, y'all have a blessed week and thrive on.